0: Hello, I'm at a really weird angle. Hello, and welcome to a Monday Night Raw LOP Radio Review. That's not the word order I've ever done for this show, but suck it, it's happened now. Uh, yes, Randy Orton, RKO's uh, Drew McIntyre to end the show, and we have our Summer Slam main event set. So, hello and welcome to the LOP Radio Raw Review. That's the words in the correct order. Just checking I've unmuted my mic. Yeah, I have. <laughs> That's a great start. Uh, anyway, uh, today... Is going to be talking about through the show the main topic of I guess what the main event and my feelings towards that. Uh, we are here live on YouTube and also in podcast form. Uh, and all the links are in the description. Also, if you head over to InvestingHeadlines.net, there is a page for there's an article for it there with all the links and everything. Uh, also, you can. What can you do? You can donate to uh, Two Laws of pay Radio on Red Circle. Also, YouTube have got a new thing set up, so I'm seeing numbers in weird places that there's normally blank nothings. So it's really strange. Actually, is it just because I've clicked on a different setting? Yes, it is! (laughs) Expert live streaming! (laughs) I clicked on a different button. I prefer... Actually, no, let's get the thing so I can actually see something different. Anyway, uh, yes, this is the raw review. (laughs) I've messed myself up by clicking on a different option, so this is amazing content at the moment. Also, uh, Monday Night Raw, I've you wearing the red stuff? I've even got red shorts on. That's not on purpose. (laughs) Red hoodie as well, because it's Monday Night Raw. It's not the reason, it's mostly because these are the clothes I've (laughs) picked up. Uh, So today, I'm red imp. But anyway, Drew McIntyre opened the show to talk about the main topic of this, which I spent ages photoshopping. I couldn't bloody get Drew to, uh, get Randy Orton's legs to look normal. The photoshop image is for this show It's great. Just don't look at Randy's legs. <laughs> just, just, just ignore that bit. <laughs> just don't look at that bit. I spent ages trying to get it right. Just Don't full screen it. Just minimise the... Anyway, uh, so uh, Randy Orton opened the show. And he was rather career-reflective, going over some of the big factions he's been involved with. Says he's missing something nowadays, and now he thinks he knows exactly what that is. He wants back the WWE Championship, and he outright challenges Drew McIntyre at SummerSlam. Uh, What are my thoughts on this? Quickly, before we go into... uh, I'll jump to the main event, because it relates to this, and then I'll go through the show in order. But last week, I said I wouldn't do that match at this point. Like, hold it off for a tad. They're building really nicely, as they are, as the biggest face, the biggest heel. You can have their moments, like the biggest moments in the build of it, happen at SummerSlam. and Then you can launch off of that, where they have their biggest heel moment cemented, and Virginia McIntyre, as the biggest baby face gets cemented. Uh, I guess them wrestling each other does that as well. But for me, it's really because neither man should really be losing right now. Like, yeah, it's a big match between the biggest face and heel, respectively. Something that's easy to get hyped about, but both are characters in the middle of building really damn nicely. Like, there's a fear they're writing themselves into a corner by booking this match right now. I'd just personally hold it off. Go with your normal... Go with the kind of status quo. I understand, though, that things might have changed with Edge injured. Because for all we know, you do Randy Orton edge one last time at SummerSlam, really cement Randy Orton as that huge heel, even though the WWE pattern tells you, third match is where the babyface wins. But for me, I would like to cement Randy Orton as that top heel, go with that, then you can go with him to Drew McIntyre. After Drew McIntyre's had his biggest moment as well, and he can reach a point of either man really could win. Whilst here, the only reason that's the case is because neither man should lose. And whenever WWE write themselves into a corner, quite often you get a screwy finish. And I'm getting enough of them with Asker vs. Sasha Banks. Dream feud. Amazing wrestling. Just with awful WWE endings. It's just like, oh, you're giving me like fifteen minutes of awesome and then the ending is just crap. Oh that 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 gets me. Gets me (laughs) that. Anyway talking about Awesome versus McIntyre. That's my only fear. Yes, if it's the main event of SummerSlam, that maybe diminishes that a tad. But for me, the way that both guys are building up momentum, I really wouldn't want either man to lose at this point. Because they're building so nicely. You can really cement them as the biggest in WWE in their respective positions. Or at least Monday Night Raw. But to have this match, suddenly suddenly, somebody's got to lose. And I think that's my uh, biggest worry with this. Somebody does have to lose this match. Or you do a screwy finish. But I live in the world where I, I really just prefer just to put people over. <laughs> it's just surprisingly enough that works really well. Just have somebody win. It does wonders for them. Yeah, If, if, if they're going to do this match, if they have to do it at this point, I would go with Drew McIntyre winning, continuing his reign, and then Randy Orton kind of just fades away. Not fades away, that's completely wrong. It's got Matt Hardy saying in my head, I'm trying to shut it down because I don't want to say that. <laughs> but yeah, with Randy Orton, like, maybe he's at a point in his career where a loss may not hurt him that much compared to Drew McIntyre who is getting built and he, as a, as the top babyface he needs more time to get established. His reign ending here, I wouldn't really do it. Uh, I saw some people with the idea well, of what if Randy Orton wins here and then Drew McIntyre can get his win in front of a live crowd Uh, with a big pop and he helped help you have Randy Orton hold the title until that can happen. Um, Maybe, but really I think it's going perfectly fine as it is. Like the feedback WWE will be getting is that Drew McIntyre as the babyface champion right now is a really good thing and they're on a roll with it, so why cut that? Whilst Randy Orton, yes he's the top heel, but he's also such a veteran at this point that maybe him losing wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. But something tells me to keep him strong, there'll be a screwy finish. Even if even if they pick a winner, it won't be clean. Something will happen. And Vandy Orton gets his next feud set up in that way, whatever it is. But still, I've got the fear <laughs> that this is leading to a screwy finish because they wouldn't want either man to lose, so they don't. <laughs> it's like, ah, be it a screwy finish, be it, Uh, Randy Orton and Drew McIntyre not having a winner, which is the worst case scenario (laughs) in a way. Uh, uh, Yeah. It's, I don't really know which way they'll, I say I don't really know which way they go. I suspect (laughs) which way they'll go. Hopefully that's not what happens. We get a little bit of a like somebody actually gets put over because they've done such a good job with McIntyre so far. Even if the opponents haven't been all top tier and some have been ones he'll definitely beat. Like he's always beating Bobby Lashley, he's always beating Dolph Ziggler. But the character himself has really grown with those feuds. He's really felt the champion coming uh, out of them. So they've done their job. Even if you never believed he'd lose the title, they did their job in making him feel like a champion. Which is the like my way. My one thing I was quite sad with with Kofi Kingston is the feuds they gave him never did that and he always kind of just felt like an upper mid card kind of champion and he was always placed in those positions on the cards he was never main eventing things whilst Drew McIntyre he properly does feel like a champion and does such a good job of establishing that. It'd be a shame for him to lose Uh, and also with the thought of well when then crowds can come back and you get that big pop who knows when that will be Especially, and not to go into like stuff outside of what's being on the screen a bit too much, but especially in not just America but in Florida as well. Who knows when that is going to be? Because it is not going down. As, like numbers aren't going down in America. Just the the sad truth is not going down. It's not being handled well. It's getting worse, and it's not going to get better anytime soon. So, who knows when that will be? Obviously, I'm talking within, like, the next couple, if not few months. I'm not a, I'm not a scientist. At least really. so I can't really go into, like, much further past that other than speculation and things I've heard. But things aren't looking that grand. So, if that is your plan, to have Drew in it back in front of a live crowd, you cannot predict when that will be. And for all we know, that'll be miles down the road. As in... Before we know that could be 2021 until you can even have a sparse crowd. Um, like over here in the UK, where our numbers have continued to be down, I'll I'll wait until like a couple in for like a couple weeks time because we've we have had our like other places open where people might have congregated, uh, and we'll wait to see what the numbers are there. But at the moment, they've continued to go down, and even with that, same in Japan as well. Even with The numbers continuing to go down and they've not really spiked even though there's been that small reopening. Even in that case, the plans for the sports the next season is to have like a sparse crowd that might make noise and they want to limit chanting. So if you've watched any New Japan Pro Wrestling this past week, that is kind of the idea for not just wrestling but for all sports. Football will be very similar where the crowd is there but they're encouraged not to chant or just to kind of limit the spread of the disease. However, say football's doing that, over here in the UK as well, so other countries are implementing these things to try and stop the disease. You would hope were that to happen in America. So we're talking about the situation where they do open up and the idea is to McIntyre and get that pop. The point I'm making is do not bet on that scenario being able to happen, even if America reaches a point where it is fine for people to go to the live show it really should be a sparse crowd, and just like we're seeing in the other countries, if, um, because there is a measure to kind of stop it from spreading as much, limit the chanting as well, so you're not going to get that mega pop. Like, if you've watched New Japan Progressing Wrestling again, I'm sorry to keep going on about it, but they're the only one I can really compare to right now, because they're the only one running with any form of crowd. It's just clapping, and it's not the same. It's like, yes, it's better than the faux crowd. Yes, it's better than, like, no crowd at all. But to have... but they they clap, that's all they kind of do, and they don't really cheer, you'll get the odd noise out of them. Hiromu Takahashi brought it out of them in the main event over the weekend. Like, you got a feeling, but you don't get the big pop. It's just not going to happen. So is it worth holding for that level? Personally, no. And personally, it's a massive gamble to even assume you'll be able to do that anyway. Because, again, who knows? Like even with the countries I'm talking about that like of uh, doing these measures, like Japan, who knows if something's going to happen where they'll have to shut down again? So to have a massive bet on something, maybe a bit down the, quite a bit down the line, something like that. Like WWE's method of booking might actually save them here, where like it's I've criticised it before, where it's like month to month writing, and then you've got your long-term stories, not either not really happening or being interjected now and then, compared compared to other companies who try and do their long form storytelling, Japan's the way Japan does it helps. Like if the if you were to do WWE's way of storytelling but try and do it long term, you might hit a massive wall at the moment just because you can't really predict that far into the future. And for who and you don't know which stars are suddenly not going to become available, like with Apollo Crews, where they firmly implemented him into their plans and now he's the United States Champion and unavailable. It's just like kind of case in point. That you do not know who in your roster you are suddenly going to be completely unable to use again it's quite a sucky situation but personally I'd keep Drew McIntyre champion you have Randy Orton put him over but you whatever, whatever they say or you have to screw finishers or you have interference or whatever but whatever you do don't go with the idea for me it's just the idea i saw uh, proposed over the internet by quite a few people and others jumping in going yeah it's a great idea and I'm like yeah there's a great idea not during a pandemic that isn't being handled well like that is the like especially in Florida where it is spreading pretty badly like to have a in a normal world it's a great booking idea because you can build to it over time but if you're pointing to get the pop don't bank on that being a opportunity that will be there because it's, it's not looking grand. <laughs> you, can, like, you can have hope. You continue to book with hope but it's just kind of like personally I'd go with the idea of write a good story, go with that and like if your great story is to have McIntyre retain don't have your idea be because there'll be a lifeguard for a pop. Don't expect that. <laughs> but anyway let's jump to the main event keep it on Drew McIntyre. Uh, we had Drew McIntyre's mystery stipulation for the night as he took on Dolph Ziggler, uh, the champion picked extreme rules, uh, which was playing off their match from the pay-per-view, so Dolph can use all the weapons he wants once again, but this time, so can Drew. Uh, A brawl of a start to it, uh, Dolph coming off slightly worse after he darted into the plexiglass by Drew and just beaten down with a kendo stick. You might call this one Dhruv's Revenge, <laughs> like no remorse in his violence as he destroyed Dov Ziggler. Like, a steel chair party, an expertly set up table, uh, things were not looking grand for the challenger. He was able to get back into it with a last resort low blow. Uh, Ziggles attempted his own ringside kendo stick be- beat down afterwards, but as we went to break the lad was back down after McIntyre speared the man through the timekeeper's barricade. Like In the final minutes, Ziggler managed to get in a couple of counters, but it never ended well for him. The champion cutting him off before any follow-up came to fruition. Uh, the biggest being, after a superplex, McIntyre calling for the claymore. Instead, he got spun inside out by a zigzag that looked cool as hell, <laughs> but the champion survived. So... Kudos to Ziggler there. Uh, Ziggler attempted to follow up with a steel chair, but as I said earlier, no follow ups. Uh, Drew flies at him with the claymore and Dolph goes flying into the corner pop table. One, two, three, McIntyre reigns strong. Question was, was this for the title? Because last week it was advertised as for the championship. This week, not for the championship. Okay, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> so uh, it's been multiple reports. But one, I think, it was coming from Dave Meltzer, uh, Observer Radio, was saying that it was originally going to be for the title, but then they didn't want to confuse to have to confuse the kind of the message and the feeling from Randy Orton's challenge. So when Randy Orton cut his promo, he gave like there was no line or indication about Dolph Ziggler challenging for the title. It was just a match, and so the only challenge from tonight's show was Randy Orton to McIntyre, just. It was just dropped that this was for the championship. So yes, confusion. Yes, it wasn't just at all (laughs) registered after last week. It was, yeah, this is for the title this week. Just no mention of it being for the title. Like, wait, was this for the title? I mean, Drew McIntyre won, so it didn't really matter anyway. But still, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, he lifts the WWE championship up high. But before the show can go off air, Randy Orton slides in with an RKO Uh, He told him he wouldn't see it coming at the start of the show. We instead go to black with Randy Orton holding the title up. Raw kicking right into gear for Summerslam. That's kind of my take on it. Uh, The main event was a fun, chaotic thing. There's another one where he's just waiting for Drew to beat him up. Uh, My fear was they'd build to Drew beating him up and Dolph would get a long spell of offence, but really it was... no. Like Drew McIntyre, champion, is dominant, which as a babyface is fantastic to f- I see for the first time in what feels like ages. Like a powerful babyface on top who is controlling his matches. Like Baron Corbin, with Reigns, take notes of what I'm enjoying here. <laughs> the babyface is on top for a lot of this. Just destroying Ziggler, who then fought back into it with devious means, uh, ended up getting clobbered anyway. Whenever he fought back in, even with Blake, just full-on great wrestling skills. No follow-up, was able, just wasn't able to pull off anything. A dominant show from the champion. Just a really enjoyable match, really enjoyable stuff. Uh, but the, I've already said my take, really, on uh, Van Dior and Drew McIntyre. It's going to be, it's one of the things where it's the top face versus the top heel, and they're both fantastic at the moment. It's gonna be great. I'm, go, I'm going to enjoy the build, in all likelihood, I'm going to enjoy the match in all likelihood. Uh, it's just one of those things where, personally, I wouldn't have done it yet. I would have held off. But I also understand in the COVID world, with what I was just saying, where you can't bank on who you're going to have, maybe assume it, maybe holding it off and assuming you could do it later is just as bad as I was saying, where just assuming you'd be able to have the payoff later. And you don't really have that deeper roster of who does Drew McIntyre challenge that feels like a SummerSlam main event if it's not Mandy Orton. Because again, bearer roster, plus the issue... Plus, they're having that problem of that long-term issue of them not really building any new stars. Now they can't use those older stars. And, they've got, and they're have they kind of running the well off. Well, if it's not Mandy Orton, who is it? Who else is that big star? It's, it's not the greatest <laughs> situation to be in. I understand it, even if I personally wouldn't have gone for it. Uh, but I thought I'd at least note the accidental hypocrisy. <laughs> Just in case I was hitting on that. It's like, yeah, I am aware that me saying, oh you shouldn't hold this story off and they'd say, no, you should hold the match off. Like, yeah, I understand. <laughs> I understand the situation. Um, oh yeah, let's just move on to the running through the card for the show. Actually, I need to take a drink because so it's July, but as you can see, I'm wearing a jumper. It's the temperature's really dropped. Mm. And whenever you show any symptom of any illness, <laughs> it's in your head. <laughs> it's like, oh, starting starting to get a dry throat. Oh, is it? <laughs> like, no, I've just, just had a bit of a drive the temperatures changing from hot to cold. Sometimes you get some, I get symptoms when that happens. <laughs> anyway, uh, time to get through the card in order. Starting off with, uh, at the start of the show, after Randy Orton gave his promo uh, challenging Drew McIntyre, as he walked up the ramp, we went straight into Nia Jax, wanting to do the same thing with the Raw Women's Championship. She walked out, she gave her declaration of challenge, uh, gloating about taking out Charlotte Flair when Shayna Bazer's interrupted it uh, just flat out tells her no one gives a damn what you want. Uh, Jax does not take that well and the two brawl to the ad break. Decent start, decent opener. It's a weird one where characters gave their voice their intentions, then there was a brawl and went to an ad break. <laughs> it's it weirdly it built weirdly. I <laughs> think what I'm trying to say uh, even though it, it did what it needed to and then cut off like a, a character in a David Lynch show. But not not like that at all. <laughs> so your purpose is done here. It's us have like you mysteriously disappear. You've done all you need to for the plot. <laughs> uh, ma- the first match of the night, segment number two, was the Viking Raiders versus Ricochet, ver- versus, Ric- versus Ricochet and Cedric Alexander versus Andrade and Angel Garza. I feel like I want to give Ricochet and Alexander a shorter name. And I swear... I know there was a longer name where the Street Profits called Cedric the Entertainer Alexander. <laughs> no, Cedric the Sports Entertainer. How <laughs> was it. Uh, anyway, I promised myself I wouldn't giggle when I said that. <laughs> it's so stupid. Anyway, uh, I want to say, first off, before we get to the match, as I was just saying, the Street Profits were in the ring and they played hype men for the two babyface teams. Because... We're getting pace and energy in every department in his first match of the night. So high tempo introductions, really making them feel like, oh, these guys are amazing. And then Street Profits went to commentary for the rest of the match, which <laughs> is like energy everywhere. Like, the, like WWE's triple threat tag matches are always chaotic as hell. Then you add Dawkins and Ford to the commentary for it. Like the pace of what we were seeing on screen matches what we're hearing in our ears. Just the, And that, that's kind of where WWE's quick cutting kind of works when the when the action in the ring matches it and then when what we're hearing by the commentary team is equally as bouncing about with equally a equal amount of energy seeing what i said last week in my little nerdy rant just stating that for me a lot of the time when the quick cuts are happening the reason it's jarring is because the action that they're cutting between isn't going at a quick pace so you're essentially telling a story that's not happening or trying to give a feeling that is not Represented by the action, it's just your quick cuts trying to do it. But in this case, no, the action matched the quick cuts. So I'm fine with it. <laughs> quick cutting isn't always bad when you when you use it correctly for the right point. Like, case in point, this match, I was perfectly fine with it. Uh, later on, when it was kind of happening, I think, like Nijack's chain of beta, where they try and do the quick cuts to try, use the cutting to add the kind of craziness to brawls. For, like, brawls are where it doesn't really work for me because. It's like a Transformers film where you can't really tell what's going on. (laughs) It's like, I don't really need that. But in a match like this, where it it is like random thing, random thing, random thing. Yeah, totally for it. And it all gels. Like, working really well for a great 10 to 15. That's the perfect kind of of enjoyable. Fun and forgettable. (laughs) Like a Transformers movie. Digest that frantic action, brace the camera cuts and somehow remember none of it by the next day. Fun, unforgettable. <laughs> uh, Angel Garza and Andrade capitalized on all the chaos. Uh, the opportunistic heels rolled Alexander back in after the whole gang hit a series of dives to the outside, uh, down onto the ever-increasing pile of people. Gaza, in the end, winning with the wing. Is it the wing clipper, yeah, winning with the wing clipper on Cedric Alexander. And Gaza and Andrade get the win, and they are number one contenders for the Raw Tag Team Championships, and will face Street Profits at SummerSlam. So now we get quite a few weeks of build towards that, which will again, that just screams fun tag team match, which quite often WWE pay per views are in need of. Uh, assuming it's placed rightly on the card, sometimes the Raw Tag Team matches come a bit later, and I'm just sitting there just thinking, yeah, i I've, I've I'm ready to move on to the bigger matches now, please. <laughs> I'm not a fan of the like WWE, it's only sometimes where they do the up and down kind of roller coaster momentum where you have big match, lower card match, big match, lower card match, big match, lower card match and I don't particularly like that (laughs) because that means I'm having big investment no investment big even if it's like lower investment it feels like no investment compared to the huge amount I just had in the last thing I personally like one that builds like a card that builds to the end uh, you can start off hot and then kind of like then slow down a little bit and then build, but not a fan of the up and down momentum. This, uh, I zone out in between the big matches, and surely that's not what you want. Surely you don't want me not paying attention. Uh, anyway, Nia Jax versus Shayna Baszler came after this uh, quickly, just keeping all of their, their attention within the first hour. Uh, a unique kind of match for WWE: two heels going right at each other from the bell normally very rarely get heel versus heel in WWE, Uh, and then we immediately find out how we're getting such a match, with the two brawling to the outside and straight away just getting counted out, (laughs) yeah, when I was, as I just said, you don't really get heel versus heel in WWE, ah, yes, yes, when we do, we don't really, (laughs) Uh, they continue to brawl, uh, fighting off officials, beating up a poor ginger lad who couldn't get his shirt off over his head, uh, eventually being held off by the gaggle of referees and they kind of brawl away fighting both of them fighting over the fact they want to be number one contender for the Raw Women's Championship and this is the first week of that so yes I put in my gag about uh, we don't get heel versus heel and then oh yes we still don't get it but it's building to something and they've got weeks to do it so this is week one Like don't, don't criticise or analyse it as the whole story when you've had one beat <laughs> or there's two beats tonight <laughs> when you've had just like the first couple of beats like who knows where it's going to go afterwards all I can say is the setup um, made, made me interested oh heel versus heel and then ah yes yeah heel versus heel <laughs> and they're going to build from there it can get super interesting like will they add a character to, to the dynamic or is are these two going to build and one of them kind of automatically become the face or not like especially with the story they've got going on with the Raw Women's Championship, I'm assuming neither Nia Jax nor Shayna Baszler will be in the match at SummerSlam. That is going to be something else. Maybe these two have a match at SummerSlam, and this is their way of holding it off. Multiple ways can go with it. Not a bad start. We'll see what happens afterwards. Uh, after that, we got VTR play play recap of Eye for an Eye. They're still fully serious about this completely silly, ridiculous Eye Arc. <laughs> it's uh, again after the match. After the plastic eye type of thing that just made me laugh. I can't take this seriously. And they're playing it off as a serious thing that he has done a really dark, evil thing to the Seth Rollins and he meant, meant to see him as his character who's done this just, this horrific thing. And the people around him are like, like even Murphy's losing a bit of faith because he's just, is he even willing to go that far? And, but I'm just like, it was really crappy, plastic, I uh, he just held on to it, it looked really bad and WWE on Twitter still putting out reports, of, like recovery reports of Mysterio and uh, in the replies you get a mixture of some people not some people buy, it. I saw a few people buying it, this way. I was just like, what are you people? <laughs> like, you're on Twitter so I'm assuming you're not young <laughs> so that's why I'm suddenly critiquing I many if you are enjoying it, good for you <laughs> I guess, good for you enjoy what you like, uh, but yeah, I can't. I can't not find it silly. <laughs> That's what that is for. Me. When they take it seriously, I was like, "But why?" <laughs> it was so blatantly silly, and all the coverage for it was taking the piss out of it. Uh, and you see, so many wrestlers who don't work for WWE saying, "This is why I don't work for them." Like it wasn't in the press as a isn't this arc interesting? Yeah, but no such thing as bad press except for. No such thing as bad take, that was it. <laughs> because it is bad press. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll move on. Uh, backstage, Rollins is checking in with Murphy, making sure the Aussie is still with him. and Because that will build out throughout the show. Uh, after the break, Mark Henry's backstage. Hitting on Ruby Riot and Blanke Belair. <laughs> They're taken, Mark. <laughs> Wait, Mark, you're taken. <laughs> Think of your wife, Mark. Think of the kids. <laughs> uh, it was also later... Oh, who was he talking to later? I was going to put in my notes Mark Henry's Who's he hitting on now? (laughs) Tune in next week to see who Mark Henry's hitting on backstage. (laughs) It's seemingly everybody. I can't remember who it was. Was it Drew (laughs) McIntyre? Whoever it was, it made me laugh when I was like, I can continue this joke, but I didn't actually write it down. I can't remember who it was. Uh, Anyway, after this we've got Seth Rollins with his segment. Uh, Rollins is in the ring with Buddy Murphy, and he makes sure we're up to date on the exposition before explaining why he's not happy, Uh, says that he should be happy but word is Dominic Mysterio is in the building Uh, Seth doesn't want there to be more violence for another person to get injured after a confrontation, can't say that word, after a confrontation turns violent Uh, so he straight up calls out Dominic and out he walks, no music, pomp or circumstance Uh, Rollins plays the good guy, being totally calm and friendly, showing no animosity. Uh, Dominic is rightly cautious, not buying a cent of the act. Always be wary of the man who calls himself benevolent. Uh, When the Messiah is done talking, Dominic just takes Rollins down. But Murphy's right there, and the two beat the lad down at ringside, throwing him into barricades and the commentary desk before turning to the steel steps. Uh, Seth Sage, this isn't his fault. Uh, he didn't want to this to come to violence. But before he can do anything, Alistair Black launches off the steps. Rollins goes straight for the arm, though, that he attacked last week, hazard for continuity. Uh, now Black's the one getting launched into the barricade, and a stomp from Rollins, who eyes up the steps. But tells Murphy, "You know what you have to do." And but, but Murphy's like, "Wait, what? What?" And I was like, you know what you have to do? Like, for me, great character moment, as Rollins is voicing this as the right thing to do, when in reality, he doesn't have the guts to do it himself. Like, a great heel character moment. <laughs> it just... It's the type of... Ca- I call it character subtlety, but it's a type of character subtlety that WWE don't often do. As in, the character trait that... Or, kind of, the arc Seth Rollins' character is taking and Buddy Murphy's arc that he's taking, that they are taking... It's not blatantly being shouted at you, which is not normally we -we method. Like they might do it in later weeks, (laughs) but for now, it's like no. This was quite. This was an awesome character moment because he saw in Buddy Murphy's face, like wait what? And Seth Rollins is eagerly, like no, you know what you have to do. When if you just look into why Seth Rollins is saying that, like after what he did earlier, he he does not have the guts to do it, and he's getting Buddy Murphy, the, the man, to do the horrible stuff instead. Loved it. <laughs> uh, after a tad of convincing, uh, Buddy Murphy does exactly that. He pushes Black's head right into the steps. No CGI. No plastic eye. <laughs> they just do it and he holds his eye going, ah. Which, personally, a million times better. Like the one where they, it's the week when they did the first injury to Rey Mysterio and just had like a bit of blood packed, or a bit of blood painted onto his face or dabbed on. That was a million times better than what happened at Extreme Rules. Uh, Rollins orders the Aussie to then get Dominic, but the man's clearly not clear of conscience, taking a little bit too long to get to Dominic, uh, who then strikes with the kendo stick and goes on a rampage, swinging wildly as Rollins and Murphy escape up the ramp. R- love this segment. Aside from, like, Personally, I really rate Alistair Black, and if you paint him as like a just the black massing badass, like he could be like, I personally see him as a potential like top guy in WWE but since his call up he's not been painted as such and now he's guy he can put on a good match but he's beaten up all the time. (laughs) So maybe this I think will give him some time off and a bit of a refresh. Like they don't even have to hit the heights that I, if I was booking the show I would build him like properly. Uh, Brock Lesnar build <laughs> because I rate him so highly as in 2002 type of dominance type of thing like I would really build him um, but still yeah some time off for refresh not the end of the world Yeah, but love what this did for the Buddy Murphy Seth Rollins dynamic and later in the night we got a little bit of more of an addition as well Uh, Well, I guess I'll talk about Murphy when I get to his singles match later, just in a little bit more detail. Uh, Backstage, R-Truth and Mustafa Ali. Uh, The recently returned man is on MVP's VIP lounge before his match tonight, uh, whilst Truth says he wants to win his 24-7 baby back, before calling Mustafa Mustafa and walking off. Oh, Truth, you, you (laughs) scallywag you. He might come into play in this next segment. MVP's VIP lounge. Uh, the VIP lounge is now for the executive board of the Hurt Business. Uh, I, at first I was like, mm, I don't know if I like that name, the Hurt Business, but now they've gone fully in with it, calling themselves executives. Like they It's not a stable with members. It's a business with executives. I like it. <laughs> after, after they kind of went in with it, it's like, actually, no, I love this. <laughs> and MVP has been so fantastic. As I've said in previous weeks, it's not just... That he's got his heels stable and he's beating people up. It's like no, the people he's beaten up, he tried to recruit and continuously said afterwards that there's a reason he did so, that they are talented athletes and he would still he would still want them in his stable, but they they went the wrong route. So now they have to face the consequences of that. It's like, yeah. He's putting them over as he's beating them up. <laughs> I like that. Uh, MVP says he wants to help Mustafa Ali, hyping him as another prospect for hire. Uh, def- And But despite MVP's subtle warnings of Ali making the right decisions, Ali's just happy to be back, happy to be able to climb the ladder again, happy to become a real champion, taking a dig at MVP. Uh, MVP makes sure we're aware Ali's facing Bobby Lashley tonight before reminding him of what happened to Apollo Cruz, uh, saying, uh, you can be champion, or you can be chum in the water for the Predators. Uh, and he just continues to say no, which is when our truth tackled Samson Shang- Benjamin out of the ring and attempted a quick fall, who then escapes back through the ring and up the ramp, and there's our sudden end, cutting to break smooth like an SNL skit. <laughs> that reaction of, Oh, that's the end. Oh, okay. <laughs> I watch quite a bit of Esa now. I'm used to that feeling. <laughs> um, but that was... I, th- I thought, oh, that's a silly little moment for our truth Turns out it was a setup for what happens during the match. Uh, when we return, we are straight into Bobby Lashley, who's got MVP in Shelton Benjamin at ringside, versus Mustafa Ali. Yeah. Uh, and as we get there, Ali is struggling to fight against the power of Big Bobby, uh, who was on top for a strong portion of the match, with a pretty random feeling distraction happening uh, during this bit when Tazawa ran in mid-match to try and cheekily snatch the 24-7 title. Q Lashley MVP and Benjamin fighting the man and his ninjas off, uh, which is where Ali sees opportunity after getting just beaten and just not able to power through Lashley. The distraction happens, Ali takes, seizes that opportunity and dives on his distracted opponent. But when we return from the next ad break, the big man's right on top again. That dive did nothing. <laughs> uh, it was a damn dominant display from Bobby Lashley. Like another damn dominant display from do- Bobby Lashley. Uh, Ali taking all the offence, surviving, maybe hitting a move. But for the majority of the match, he was getting the hell beaten out of him. Uh, Eventually, the smaller man countered his way back in, spinning onto his feet after Lashley attempted the Dominator, then nailed a beautiful spinning DDT, uh, but the match flowed back the same way it had for the rest of it. Lashley catching him in the full Nelson, and the lad who only just returned last week has very quickly tapped out. Oh well. (laughs) He had momentum for one week, I guess. (laughs) Uh, The Hurt Business is running strong. I may critique it of, oh, I mean, I would have quite liked Mustafa Ali to maybe get something surprising here, uh, but to set him up for maybe a match with MVP. But no, they're getting over the Hurt Business. That's more me thinking, oh, it's the story, because they did a VTR for Mustafa Ali as well. So I was just thinking, oh, are they properly putting Ali over now? They generally see what they have in him. That's great. That's amazing. Fantastic. Uh, But no, the segment was more about getting the Hurt Business over. Or the continued story of when it's they're by themselves and the numbers are too much but that wasn't really what happened here like Ali took advantage and then he got countered by Lashley it was nothing to do with interference that like, Lashley was just better in this match it's like oh that's why I kind of took it as oh that's a shame oh, I, like, I like Ali I really rate him but he just got beaten up a lot and he, I thought he was going to survive and maybe get back in and shock everybody but no turns out it wasn't him he was getting built here yeah as I said, could be a story about something else, but as I said, building up the team, but it kind of came across as, oh, Bobby Lashley just beat him. What now then, I guess? Because, <laughs> again, the match I might go to is MVP versus Apollo Cruz. but I'm playing off the assumption that Apollo Cruz will be able to wrestle by SummerSlam. Because it's been quite a while now. Uh, don't know if it feels longer because of how they're taping it, but it feels like Apollo Cruz has not been there for quite a while. So I wonder when he'll be back. Anyway, uh, we're already on the Raw Women's Championship match. So I, I remember I was looking at my notes going, Good God, I've written five pages <laughs> of notes for this show where the first half was pretty nothing, then the second half was awesome. He's in the first half built, and I really enjoyed the Seth Rollins kind of building, but it fits in that bracket of building. Whilst well, so we've got two championship matches in the second half that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, but anyway, we're already here. The Raw Women's Championship was on the line as Sasha Banks. Defended? I guess. It was more Asker defending against Sasha Banks. Controversy, apparently. Uh, no surprise, this was great. Uh, their match at Extreme Rules was truly heading for something incredible for the screwy ending. Same here. <laughs> uh, but this kind of felt like it got closer to a potential end when the screwy finish happened. So, And it's on television, so I'm not as mad about it. Uh, and I've also been somewhat kind of eased down. Like the wind's been that out of me a bit. Like I'm sagging a bit in terms of my air enjoyment. I don't know, I don't know, the metaphor's got away from me. <laughs> uh, before the match itself, uh, Sasha came out with Bailey. Uh, they gloated about how much they how they hold all the gold, and it's time to end this silly charade of they'll say, oh, it's controversial, Sasha's champion. No, it's not. No, it's not. Uh, everyone else is just jealous of their success, uh, how they run the damn company. Yeah, then up come Asuka and Kyrie uh, Before the break, Kyrie Sane chases off Bailey to the back. So when we return for the title match introductions, we're properly into our 1v1 no interference affair. Uh, and man, these two are so quick, so fluid, so smooth. Like, really great stuff to watch. Yeah, Sasha realises she's in trouble, so attempts the cheeky Eddie tricks uh, with the ref, which the ref totally doesn't buy. And it uh, and her attempts end with Asuka kicking her stiff in the head. Like ba- uh, After that, Banks focused heavily on Asuka's ankle, uh, her kicking ankle, uh, as the Empress tried to counter her way back into the match, uh, even eventually returning the favour and, well, returning the ankle lock favour, with knee bars and toe holes and whatnot, uh, Samojo stating that both these ladies will be limping out of here tonight. Uh, but the lead, that's realised, double entendre by accident, <laughs> but, the, but the that led us... Back into this awesome back and forth uh, for the final run, just like at Extreme Rules, where that kind of final segment before we got to the end, it was just so fantastic to watch. Uh, the submission counters between these two are so damn quick. Uh, Sasha again trying other methods, attempting to leave a beaten up Asuka ringside to get counted out. Failed. Uh, another awesome counter reverse as Asuka rolled up Banks, but after the kickout, Sasha went straight into the bank statement, of which... Asuka rolled through into a toehold Banks rolled forward Asuka up onto the second rope and bam back with a kick <laughs> such an awesome sequence my words did it no justice just because of how quick and smooth it was he says as I said these two are so smooth and the pace that they wrestle at it's just great to watch uh, especially as wrestling nerd <laughs> like, yeah, I find it truly just fantastic to watch uh, but it was a sequence that then led into another uh, WWE finished to continue the feud. Um video plays on the titantron of Bailey winning a brawl backstage with Kyrie Sane and bashing the poor lass's head again and again against the garage door. Asuka ums and odds about what to do, but eventually decides to help her friend over winning the match. Uh Asuka had her opponent down. She'd kicked Sasha Banks in the head. She'd countered successfully. Uh, She's not just made sure she was definitely down. But she then just gets countered out as Banks is lying down on the mat. Again, having been kicked in the head. Banks is now officially Raw Women's Champion. And it's a scree finish again. Asuka, angry at the actions of Bailey, Angry at losing the title Sasha Banks. And this is assumedly going to build to SummerSlam and another encounter between the two. So Banks versus Asuka 3. Uh, it's the WWE way of why do, why try and make a match feel uniquely special in terms of a mass encounter between two Dream opponents, when you can run that same one match three times in one month. <laughs> We've got like AJ Styles versus Jacinta Nakamura, how many times did that happen in like, was, like, I swear it was like five times in two months, like something ridiculous. <laughs> We're getting there with this one. Like, a Dream encounter, you just run it and run it and run it and each match has a scree finish to keep it on going and yeah. Um, like Not as many complaints though, Like this, given this was a TV match. So I'm not expecting them to definitely give me a clean finish on a TV match that isn't the main event. Uh, but it's now the second scree finish in a row for this feud. Uh, like Third time will hopefully be the charm for them at SummerSlam. Uh, I just hope they don't badwill me too much till then. Like, I love these guys, like, I love all the wrestlers in the feud. But it's the same WWE story with the writing it making it really hard to get into things. Like two singles matches, two endings with me going, oh, come on, mate, uh, and that's also it for Cossin too. Being so badly by Bailey that off she pops back to Japan and she's now no longer on WWE television. Um, again, there was the story that. Uh, Asuka might fight face Kairi Sane, and Kairi Sane might be in a career-threatening match or something. Instead, here they've gone with Bailey beating her up so bad that's it, we don't see her. And they they had Asuka walk out of the doctor's room looking really really angry. So instead of fl- flat out just informing us Kairi Sane has suffered this made-up injury, they show they sh- they played off the pure emotion of the consequences of an injury rather than going into detail. And I'd stick with that really. Now, I'm not a massive fan of when they give a fake injury update and obviously the Ray Mysterio I think is currently like this the fantastic example of that (laughs) just speaking utter utter jargony bollocks (laughs) just to try and it's non-medical people trying to speak pure medical talk and it sounds like nonsense and it's quite funny to listen to anyway uh, I guess the final match I'm talking about tonight which when I was writing I wasn't expecting it to go this way uh Murphy versus Humberto Carrillo. Uh, Buddy's finally got a theme that isn't garbage. Still generic guitar things, but miles better than whatever that or Waka Waka thing was. I'm trying to think, what words describe Buddy Murphy's previous theme? And it's like, dude, Waka Waka. <laughs> That's it. There's nothing more to it. Just generic. Uh, 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 this this bit this match being between the two championship matches made it really hard to not see this as anything but time filler. Like, I definitely watched the match, but I remember pretty much nothing about it. Uh, I do remember the finish. Uh, The finish came when Murphy caught Carrillo with a knee after the Luchador launched from the top rope and straight into Murphy's law for the win. Uh, But the match was like five minutes. (laughs) Over five minutes. I don't remember anything else. Just where it was in the card, where it was in the point of the show, where I'm mentally at in terms of the kind of stuff I'm expecting. Like, this screamed filler to me. However, it at least added to the Murphy-Rolling story. Um, even, again, just not screaming it in your face either, which I love. They've gave me that kind of style of writing earlier, and they've continued it here. Like, something tells me, Murphy internally debating Rowling's orders, then picking up a solo win here. Like, it might only be a matter of time... the Monday Night Messiah faces his own disciple. Maybe there's a chance for that to go that way and I'm seeing WWE actually attempt something slightly more subtle rather than screaming the story into your face. Or maybe there's a chance I'm trying to justify the existence of this match of which I watched. (laughs) So, ah great. Yeah, I definitely watched it. But yeah, that's that's the end of that. <laughs> so they were like more rating. It's an interesting one. First half of build some but forgettable fun for the most part, aside from the Seth Rollins stuff that I really enjoyed, but it was building in a very similar vein. Then the second half, you got your big two matches, and there was one with a scree finish. What I really enjoyed the main event, and Randy Orton at the end capping off the show, it was just like, and now this is where we're going for SummerSlam. I thought that was really good. Uh, I guess it builds the banks versus ask a match. I'm just I'm not a fan of the WWE idea of constantly running the same match, but with screwy finishes to keep getting invested. Like I'm not a fan of that. Just don't run the match. <laughs> uh, but you do get that TV kind of jump to it. Like when I've praised New Japan in the past for the kind of slowly you hold off that big match until the show. They don't have the weekly television, they don't have that thing of oh we need to do something to try and draw people in, we need that big match. There's like no you can run a fine tag team match because it's like a house showy type thing. But still. I'm trying to think of the ra- I've not written down the rating for this show. Normally I do so I don't have to make one up on the spot. But I guess I'd go with... Uh, ah, is it? Yeah. The rating that I gave the tag team match. The best kind of fun forgettable fun <laughs> yeah the best kind of enjoyment enjoyment where well, i'm not going to be able to reestimate to you what happened at all by this time tomorrow <laughs> hopefully because i'll be asleep <laughs> these late shows lack of me anyway that's the end of the show thank you for listening to this uh, what did you make of Monday late raw this week are you perfectly fine with randy orton taking on drew mcintyre at summerslam you more like me where you would have liked to have held it off or are you totally down with it? No issue at all. Hit me up on Twitter at the Implicat. if you've been watching on YouTube. That has been right underneath my image on the screen the entire time. That's damn as in damn. And this was the NLP Raw review. On Thursday I'll be back for the NXT review. Um, hit me up if you do want a SmackDown one. I don't know if I'm currently able to do it myself. But if there's enough I'll try and get someone in to do it. Uh, but I, yeah, I'm just not able to do it myself. Is Saturday, and I'd have to do it during the day and daytime on a Saturday currently doesn't work. If you listen to past uh, podcasts you'll know there's currently an extension being built on the house I'm in and during the day to about four o'clock, like six days a week, it is like the whole, whole house is vibrating <laughs> and it's really loud. So, like, recording anything or doing a live show or anything it's just not going to happen. So, uh, SmackDown for the moment out of the, it's not possible. It will be in the future, just like not currently. Anyway, that's the end of that ramble. just realised I not addressed SmackDown. I thought might as well. Also, you've heard the creative adage of uh, if you really want to create something, you will find a way to do it. Which is so me being like being like, oh, it's just not possible. Just can't do it. Also, kind of lets me know I don't really want to do it. <laughs> like I will do it if there's enough, but. Um, Enough request, but I, uh, I'm i not a massive follower of SmackDown nowadays. It's the, in, in terms of, oh, Imp, you watch so much wrestling. Yes, but I don't watch SmackDown. And that kind of enables me to have the stamina. <laughs> uh, but I will watch it if people want me to. Uh, anyway, I'll be back on Thursday for the NXT review. But please do check out the other shows here on LOP Radio. Uh, live after Dynamite, we have our post-AEW show, uh, Dynamite After Dark, with Jaman and Jeff. Uh, Fridays, we have Ms. Fan and Mystic with the WWF, the Legacy Series. Uh, another rich look over the history of the now WWE with the journey of the WWF in its entirety. I uh, cannot recommend that show enough. Also, there's the All Night Long Wrestling Podcast, which has just uploaded an interview with Ring of Honours Person. My, I've, I told you, I told people <laughs> on a different show, I suck with names. Who bloody was it? It was Amy Rose, that was it. Ring of Honor Amy Rose. So that interview is coming both on the channel and on the of Pain website or whatever. Uh, also, we have got a uh, Quick and Painless came back last week as well for their show. Uh, and we've got a new show uh, coming to you about the history of Canadian wrestling in a very similar vein to how, uh, if I can bloody find my words, similar vein to the uh, WWF Legacy Series. Like, if you like those shows with hell of a lot of research, with jokes thrown in as well to make sure you're bloody paying attention. <laughs> so uh, that'll be uh, coming maybe Monday if everything's sorted by Monday. That might be uploaded uh, by next Monday. So keep an eye out for that as well. Uh, and with that, I say thank you. Oh, Kingdom of Honor. There's <laughs> not yet to plug Kingdom of Honor. Also, I'm li- I'll be live after every pay-per-view, be it A.W. New Japan or uh, WWE. New Japan has to be a big show because. again, during the daytime, I need to see if I can get a decent thing a decent time slot to not be you know, make sure it's all fine, anyway I'm rambling on because I need to just end the show Uh, thank you to everybody who's tuned in, thank you to everybody who's uh, listened to this or continues to listen to us or just support us or just interact with us, all of it greatly appreciated Uh, I'll be back on Tuesday for the next T review and this is Moonlight Raw, it's a slightly more fancy outro Uh, and with that to say, thank you for watching and I bid you adieu, adios